Wow. <laughs> this looks like a glad group. You know what I love about meetings like this is it upgrades our wineskins. How I many you know if we're just all word and no spirit, we dry up? And if we're all spirit and no word, we blow up. You have both. You have both word and spirit. You grow up. I remember when I was pastoring in Nevada, they, there was a ministry called Circuit Rider Tent Ministries that... Out of Toronto, kind of spawned out of Toronto, went through Seattle. They circuited the Western United States, brought their renewal tent places. <laughs> I mean, this tent. So I was nervous. I said, "Yes, bring your tent to my town." It's <laughs> nervous. And they put the tent up, and they they had a sign on the the uh, the tent that troubled me, made me uncomfortable. And the sign said this, the party is here. <laughs> yep. That troubled me. I said, this is church. I mean, the party is here. I mean, these guys running the tent, they were barely functional. <laughs> they were just barely functional. I was... I was, I was wanting something to happen. I, I, was, I was ready, you know, to be taught. <laughs> I need more knowledge. <laughs> I need more knowledge. I mean, the guy, I mean, they'd do worship, and the guy preaching would be like this. He'd crawl to the pulpit, pull himself up, <laughs> pulpit, lean over a pulpit, not saying anything. Every once in a while, I'd go, Ho! <laughs> Took about 10 minutes of that. I'm thinking to the Lord, nothing's happening. Ha ha. The Lord said, Yeah, Steve, something's happening. And this meeting is just all about you. I'm going to upgrade your wineskin. I'm going to get this elder brother thing off you. I mean, the elder brother. I'm not going into the party. Uh-uh. I'm staying out here. I'm not going in. But if I go in, if I go in, everybody in there is going to think they're okay. I'm staying out here. <laughs> staying out here. Ha <laughs> ha. 
But I hung in there for 10 days. I mean, we had noon and night meetings. If, if I wouldn't have wanted to go, Wendy would have made me go. Anyway, <laughs> she said, you need this. I got to get this. Got to get this control thing off you. Uh-huh. This fear. We're going to get this fear thing off you. Uh-huh. By the 10th day, I hung in there. <laughs> By the 10th day, I became one of them. Oh! I was yo-hoing. And what really was fun, we had a Baptist pastor and his wife visit us the last day of the tent. And we, we prayed. We asked, hey, you want to come forward in prayer? And they came. Right at the end, they came forward. And the moment we laid hands on them, they fell out into the power. I mean, they got rocked by the power of God. He got up. He was a changed man. He said that day changed his life. And you know what? You know what uh, that the Lord just said? See, you need not only release truth, you need to release encounters. We, that's what we're called to do. This is a school of supernatural ministry. Supernatural. And, you know, I mean, to go deeper in the river, every time the Lord calls me deeper into the river, I'm usually uncomfortable. I used to think my comfortability level was God's highest concern. <laughs> He's a gentleman. Holy Spirit's a gentleman. <laughs> All things must be done decent and in order. Yep, the Lord said cemeteries are decent and in order. Ha! Boom! Ha! <laughs> yeah, it's been a journey for me. I mean, it's been a journey. I remember the first time ever the worship leader said, raise your hands. Man, that, I was petrified to raise them. Oh, no, not that. Raise my hands. Oh, whew, that was tough. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, I was uncomfortable. It can't be God. Because if it was God, I'd be comfortable. Let's laugh at that. I've been wrong so many times saying something was not God. And later on, yep, it was. Yep. I've learned not to trust my first reaction. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually the next move of God is persecuted by the past move of God. Yep, God's doing a new thing. Yep, that's not how he did it with me. It's not how he did it with me. How he did it with me is how he's always going to do it. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> so thank you, Lord. Thanks for a school that's it's free. Thank you for freedom. I mean, freedom doesn't mean anything goes, but, but there is freedom. And, you know, just where we make room, we make room. And, you know, that's, it's risky to make room for Holy Spirit. It's risky. But if we don't, I mean, it's like I shared yesterday, you know, the same, the same culture that created 11 world changers created a Judas. 
Uh, and, and if our goal is to prevent a Judas, we won't have world changers. If our goal is try to prevent things, if our, goal, if our goal is try to prevent wildfire, that's our goal in ministry, yep. Or we're going to make sure our ministry and meetings have no wildfire. <laughs> then we'll probably never have the true fire. And, and you know, just, just to move into the supernatural river, I mean, it, it takes, yeah, it, it upgrades your wineskin. And it, it causes us to have to um, take some risks. Take some risks. And are we always right? No. Because we're kind of still, you know, we're all trying to go higher and we experiment with some things. Oops, yeah. Shouldn't have put those two things together. <laughs> now, oops. Now we won't do that again. <laughs> so it's great to be here tonight. Great to, we had a great weekend. Yeah, great weekend. And what I want to do is if you were here, in a moment I'm going to ask you just, just to kind of, I'm going to ask you for a phrase that spoke to you over the weekend, and if you weren't here, then that'll help you catch up a little bit on what, what we've been doing, and then we'll share some things. And I've got a great team with me tonight. They're going to help me as well and minister. And So let me just uh, share a, a quick testimony. I've shared this here before, but it's one of my favorites. Um, when I was pastoring in Nevada, I was also the youth pastor, and we uh, we had an idea uh, to create a top 10 hit list of most unlikely people to get saved in the whole school. And we had one name at the top of the list who, in our opinion, was the least likely person in the whole school to get saved. And his name was Caleb. And what we did is, because uh, <clears throat> we, we said, that guy, we thought, that he's, he's just impossible. I mean, every other word he said seemed to be the F word, and it wasn't faith. So we prayed for him, believed on, for him, prophesied in his life. He got saved. It was about 1999. Then we leave in 2001. Spiritual son and daughter take over the church for 11 years. We go back in 2012, lay hands on the new senior pastor of the church. Guess what his name is? Caleb. Someone say, wow. Wow. Great leader. Great leader. Unlikely people around here are getting saved. Unlikely people around here are getting saved. Ha <laughs> ha. Before you guys share, I'm going to do an experiment. What if I say these words? O-H. Okay. I just, wow. It worked. Yes. Thank you, John. He set me up to that. Uh-huh. All right, who is here? And you heard something, you want to raise your hand, I'll call on you. You say the phrase, I'll repeat it. Yep. Yep, we get saved by believing in Jesus. We get free by believing like Jesus. Now, I mean, John 8, 32 is the truth will make you free. So every area of our life where we believe truth in, we get free. Every area of our life where we believe lies, we're not free. An example of that is in Mark 6, Jesus goes to his hometown and ministers, and he can only do a few miracles there and because they were offended at him. They said, hey, isn't this brother, sister, isn't this Jesus? And 
uh, he marveled at their unbelief. He marveled at what they believed. Um, let's laugh at this lie. We've been laughing at lies the whole weekend. This is, I know this is a good, this is a good laughing at lie group here. Um, let's laugh at this lie. It was God's sovereign plan that Jesus' hometown be a place of few miracles. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. No, it's God's sovereign plan that Jesus' hometown be a place of massive miracles. But because the people in his town were believing lies about who Jesus was, they restricted their experience. Not everything that happens is God's will. It's one of the beginning points of breakthrough. If we think everything that happens is God's will, it'll create passivity and fatalism in our life. And we'll never know. We can never pray the prayer of faith. Who else heard something? Yep, my hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. Let's say that one. My hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. I shared that this morning. Who else? Yep, nobody's past can stop them, but current beliefs can. The past doesn't have the power to stop our future, but what we conclude based on the past has the power. Current mind renewal creates future experience. Current mind renewal creates future experience. We're all renewing our mind. We're all coming into agreement. The, the renewing of the mind is both positive and negative. I, I, I mean, obviously, it's meant to be positive, but I, I, I'm rehearsing something all the time about me, about you, about my future. And if I'm just renewing my mind based on the past, and we're going to get into identity tonight, then, uh, then we're, we're going to be stuck and you're not stuck. Who else? Yeah. Our ministry usually results from what we've overcome. Because we have an anointing in that area. James 1.12 says, To he who overcomes will be given a crown of life. Given authority of life in that area. And so that's why your current battle is not just about you. That, that, that kind of helps me. Wow, this is about the people I'm going to bring breakthrough to. Yep, our future is as bright as the promises of God. I said if we don't believe um, that this is going to be the greatest decade in all of the de history of decades and this is going to be the best year of our life, then, then we're probably not believing truth. We're not. And again, that's not condemnation. It's just great information. Because the promises of God, my future is as bright as the promises of God. How I many know oh, God's giving you some good promises? The work he started in you, he's going to complete. He's going to meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He, he says he's going to... Uh, He's going to make all things work together for good. Everything bad in your past, everything good in your past, it's all going to work together for good. I mean, that's some pretty good promises. Anyone else? 
Yeah. The, the kingdom of God is, is not advanced by good conduct. It's advanced by good beliefs. And I'm all for good conduct. You know, leadership and integrity, uh, people aren't going to trust you without that. But even, even to upgrade our behaviors, we have to upgrade our beliefs first. The old covenant was moved forward by good conduct. Works was what moved the hand of God. The new covenant is moved forward by beliefs. And the, great, the greatest question of the hour is not, Lord, what should I do? What should I do in 2020? That, that's not as great of a question as, Lord, what should I believe in 2020? What should I believe? That's a great question. He's going to get excited when you ask him that. Anyone else? Yeah. <laughs> As to what we're actually supposed to do in the new covenant, we're called believers. That should tip us off on what we're supposed to do. I want to be a, a believing believer that believes. That's what I want to be. And that's what I am. That's what you are. What's that? Satan wants to fill us with lies? Yep. And, and I, I had a, a corny joke that, I, yeah, that I'll, I'll repeat for the crowd here. Just, if you don't like this one, just give me a courtesy laugh. <laughs> the, only, the only weapon the devil has is the lie. He's the father of all lies. The only way he gets empowered is by believing lies. The only thing he has is a mouth. He has been disarmed and defeated. He has no arms and no feet. <laughs> Thank you so much for making me feel good. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, my response to something is almost always more important than this something. Yeah, God hasn't called us to be realistic. He's called us to be supernatural. <laughs> Our feelings are not the highest indicator of truth. Wow, that's a, that's a heavy revelation right there. I, yeah, my hope level determines my influence level. Ooh. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie, and that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. Whew. <laughs> ouch. Somebody says amen or ouch. Wow. <laughs> the future's in the mouths of intentional speakers. <laughs> yeah. He was the most hope is the most influence. And after love, I believe hope is the most powerful leadership quality there is. The Snoopy anointing. 
Yeah, I'd have to explain that a little bit. I'll give a quick one. My dog, I had a, a yellow lab in, years ago, and um, he, if we moved the leash, if he was sleeping, he'd be like shot out of a cannon ready for, you know, ready to take a walk. And so he pulled future walks into his present experience many times based on his incredible ability to hear. He, he, I mean, he didn't hear all kinds of other things, but he heard. The, he, his ear was attuned any, for that leash because he knew it was going to move. He didn't know when. And he ignored all kinds of other sounds, but when that thing happened, boom, that's good news. And that's, you know, how we hear. I preached a message on Friday night about incredible hearing, and um, it says in uh, Galatians 3, it says, uh, he says, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And the answer is the hearing of faith. And he says, are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit, are you going to be now made perfect in the flesh? Are you going to move from a posture of hearing good news and believing it to advance, or are you going to now be more focused on your behaviors and trying to fix behaviors versus hearing things? And the Snoopy anointing is an incredible anointing that, um, yeah, I just release over this group right here. Thinking of making you, you know, bark, to, but I think, <laughs> but I'll just, uh, I won't do that as, as a receiving it. Woof, woof. Yeah, all improvements and excellence stops when there's no hope. Because hope, hope is tied to vision. Without a vision, the people perish. We we're, we're, we're start dying. We start just trying to survive rather than improve. Wow. Slaves wait to be told what to do. What else did I say? <laughs> son, son, what do sons do? <laughs> yeah, sons know that they're going to make great decisions, understand the process. And that was the message I shared on Saturday morning. The title of that message is God Loves a Cheerful Decider. And it takes the verse out of 2 Corinthians 9 7, where it says, Lit. He says, each of you must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I talked about how God loves a cheerful decider. And, and, and there's three ways to live life or three ways to do whatever we're doing, whether it's, it's family relationship, whether it's a job, whether it's as simple as going to a meeting. We can do it reluctantly. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this, but I'm doing it. I'm faithful. Let's laugh at that. Uh -huh. We can do it passively. Yep, I'm here. My emotions are neutral. I'm going to wait to see what happens. I'm going to see if this is a good meeting. I'm going to see if it's a good night at home. Mm -hmm. I'm going to wait. Uh -huh. Or you can do it in faith. And, and that's, God loves a cheerful decider. Cheerfulness is the evidence that we've attached faith to the decisions we've made. 
And it, that's, a, that's a whole revelation. If you, you want to get that message on Saturday morning, that'll change your life. That message will change your life. That message is for people who, who are moving into greatness. It's, it's a key. And, you know, pretty much like before a meeting, yeah, I attach my faith to the meetings I do. You know, I'll, I'll say out loud. I don't come into a meeting like this reluctantly or passively. I don't come, oh, no, i got to do another meeting. <clears throat> i got to be with the students on Sunday night at 5. <laughs> got a busy weekend, and let's just try to, I'll just limp to the finish line and hope God will do something. Or I can be passive. Yeah, I'll show up. I'll see where they're at, you know. Yeah, we'll just see what the, what's happening in here, and, you know. I'll go with the flow. Uh-huh. Or you can come in faith. And pretty much before every meeting, I mean, always. I'm just, like I said it tonight, I said it to myself. I drove here. I said, this is going to be a powerful meeting. I started attaching my faith. And the moment I did that, I, got, I started getting cheerful. Ah, oh, man. And it's a, it's a muscle we develop. The muscle of cheerfulness. Someone else. Laughing disempowers strongholds in our thinking. When we're able to laugh at the lies um, that are fueling the strongholds in our thinking, it starts to disempower them. Now, I wish I had a bunch of these books. I got a bunch of children. Let's just laugh at that. But we only... Only got two of these, so there's probably one left out there. Um, so this is really a bad promo. <laughs> really. <laughs> but I wanted to just read a couple out of here because these are so fun. I mean, this is a book. This book, uh, it's on Amazon. It's on, there's a Kindle version of it as well. This, this book, Let's Just Laugh at That, it's a little devotional. It'll change your life. I mean, this, this book is a nuclear bomb to lies. It takes 45 kingpin lies and la- we uses the power of laughter to break it off. Let's, uh, let's, just, let's do an experiment. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to share one of these kingpin lies and then some laughable assumptions under that. And I want you to experiment and just, just laugh at these, okay? Let's just laugh at this lie. One person cannot change the world. Ha, ha, ha. Ha-ha. Ha-ha. Let's give an extra laugh on that. Ha-ha. And there's some laughable assumptions under that. God has predestined a few select people with the ability to change the world, and you are not one of them. Ha-ha-ha. Jesus changed the world, but he wasn't serious when he said that you would do greater things than him. Ha-ha-ha. David, Moses, Abraham, Esther, and Peter changed the world because they did not have any weaknesses or negative circumstances to face. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. It's too late for anyone to change the world, so you should not try. Ha, ha, ha. It's ridiculous. That's <laughs> just ridiculous. 
Biblical stories of people changing the world are just for our enjoyment, not as a testimony to inspire us to do the same. Then lastly, God wants things to fall apart in the end times, so he gets irritated if we try to change the world. <laughs> Let's do another one. This is... I want to go after a kingpin light. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving after the night, so this, I'm just going to go for it. And if there's any messes, you know, you got, you got a good team to clean it up. <laughs> That's I mean, Let's just laugh at this lie that, that was in the church for, it's, it's getting out of the church now, but boy, it was there for, for about 20 years of my Christian life, or maybe 30 how about, let's laugh at this one. Higher levels in God attract higher problem-causing devils. <laughs> How come we, why didn't, why didn't we say higher levels, higher angels? Why do we, it's probably because it didn't rhyme. Ha, <laughs> ha. Here's some great laughable assumptions under that one. Let's just laugh at these. We are, you should expect a life of growing difficulty as you spiritually advance. <laughs> Nervous laughter out there. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> is that a lie? <laughs> yeah, it's a lie. It's a lie. Just trust me. It's a big lie. Church leaders have miserable lives because of spiritual attacks. Ha, ha, ha. Generals are the least protected in an army. Unless, you're experiencing a, unless you are experiencing an attack, you must not be a threat to the devil. The safest thing to do is to not advance spiritually in Christ. <laughs> the very spiritual person will talk more about Satan's ability to attack than God's ability to protect. And then the last one is, our, our expectations will have nothing to do with what we will experience. <laughs> I mean, all of these, every, every lie in that book, pretty much I've believed and sometimes slip back into them. It's amazing, you know, when you actually start really analyzing every belief that doesn't have hope, every doctrine that doesn't have hope, and you actually analyze what it is, and then you just say, ah, you know, this thing, whether it's identity, whether it's 
uh, doctrine, if it doesn't bring you hope, my belief is, is that you need to upgrade your beliefs. That's just my opinion. All right, let's, um, let's go after a few things. Um, yeah, let's, it's identity. I love, I love this. It's identity and inheritance. Now, I remember, you know, just, you know, I shared this uh, in about tonight. I, I said the second most important question in all of our life is who we say we are. That's, that's what I believe. The most important question is who we say Jesus is. In, in Matthew 16, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they gave their answers. Then he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter got it right. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. He got revelation, supernatural revelation. Isn't that powerful? We, I don't, we don't need more information as much as we need revelation of the information we already have. Again, that's why I love schools like this. Because this is a school that welcomes Holy Spirit. And, and it, there's an atmosphere of revelation here. You're in here. Uh, you know, and I, I just experience it when I come in here. I, I, I think things, I see things in the Word I hadn't seen before. And that's because there's a spirit of revelation. And I say, thank you, Lord, let it increase. Let it increase. You know, you don't need to have a, a high IQ to be a great Christian. Yep, I'm not going to have you turn to your neighbor and say anything. <laughs> <laughs> But we not only need revelation about who Jesus is, but we need revelation about who we are. There's an interesting story in, in Genesis 32. Jacob is wrestling with an angel. He's wrestling with an angel. <laughs> yep. And he's wrestling all night, and the angel basically says, Hey, uh, Jacob, my shift is over. I've got to leave. <laughs> and, and Jacob says these powerful words. I will not let you go until you what? Bless me. <laughs> Man, this guy, uh, I just say thank you, Lord, for that tenacity. Not going to let you go. And that's one of the reasons, you know, you, those of you in the school, that's why you're here. You're not going to let him go. You're doing everything you know to do. And, you know, you think about, okay, what, what was the blessing? Was it going to be a new chariot? <laughs> maybe, maybe the angel was, yeah, here's a new chariot, here's a new tent. How about a new camel? <laughs> yeah. 
No, that wasn't it. Here's what, here's what his blessing was. A ble- his blessing was a revelation of who he really was. The angel said this. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, <laughs> but your name shall be called Israel. And, and Jacob means deceiver, and Israel means prince with God. He said, you know, that, and I, I believe this, one of the greatest revelations, the blessings we can ever get, which will, is more important. You say, I want to be blessed, God. Yeah, you know, it's not material. It, it, it's not, because if you get your name right, you're going to, you'll have no problem getting all the other stuff. You get your name right. I mean, you're, I mean, you understand what family you're a part of, who your daddy is. You're not going to have to worry about new camels. <laughs> yeah, I got a new camel. No, you're you have so many camels here. You're going to try to figure out what you're going to do with all those camels. <laughs> it's a powerful thing. And that's why this, this quarter is so important. I mean, we, we, we can never get enough teaching on identity. I mean, you know, it's the same thing. We can never get enough teaching on who Jesus is and what he did on the cross and the finished work and his names. I mean, he's got, you know, his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty Father, Prince of Peace. I mean, all, every name. And, and we, we, we're, we have names as well in, in who we are in him. I remember when I um, was understanding lies and that lies was my problem, and I asked the Lord to show me lies. He took a phrase out of Genesis 3.11 and, and talked to me. He, the phrase is, God asked Adam, who told you that you were naked? He took the phrase, who told you that? And talked to me. So I would say things like this. <clears throat> I do not have the gift of healing. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> Holy Spirit said, who told you that? Who told you that, Steve? Well, that's a good question, Holy Spirit. Who did tell me? Probably not you. I know who told me that I don't have the gift of healing. It's my past. Hmm. Why do you call yourself by your past rather than who I call you? <clears throat> uh, well, Lord, the reason I call myself by my past rather than who you call me is because all the other Christians around me do it, and I thought I was supposed to, too. Let's just laugh at that, by the way. I would say things like this. I do not remember names well. Let's laugh at that. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Who told you that? The past. I would say, I am a disorganized person. Who told you that? My wife. <laughs> yeah, she told me that. <laughs> that was my past. My past told me, 
I'm disorganized, so I call myself disorganized. Well, see, we've got a pattern here. You like to call things by the past. I like to call things by the future. I thought you said you wanted to be like me. Uh, well, Lord, I thought being like you was just acting like you, not thinking like you. I want to start a whole new movement. WWJT. What would Jesus think? I'd say this area is hard for the gospel. Let's laugh at that. Ha ha. Holy Spirit said, who told you that? The past, a couple prophets mentioned it too. How I many you know prophetic, the purpose of prophetic ministry is not to diagnose an area's past and give an identity out of it? We don't deny the past, and sometimes in giving a prophetic word, we can use a word of knowledge about the past that's going to build faith. You know, yeah, you've been through a hard time, you, you've done this, that, you know, that, and that's not the prophetic word. That's the word of knowledge to build faith for the prophetic word. The prophetic word is Romans 4.17, God who gives life to the dead by calling those things that are not as though they are. That's the highest level of, of, of prophesying into a life or into a region is to call those things that are not as though they are, Romans 4.17. What we call things is really important. You know, God gave Adam the ability to name things. He gives us this, the ability to name things. What we name things is, 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 is critical. You know, when I, when I went to pastor in Weaverville in 2001, the first week I'm there, I was there for seven years pastoring. The first week I'm there, someone comes up to me and says, Steve, I want to let you know this city is hard for the gospel. That's what they told me. This city is hard for the gospel. And I knew if I believed that, I'd become the biggest problem in my city. I'd become the regional principality. <laughs> ha ha. Be the head, not the tail. Be, we don't deny the past. We just don't get our beliefs from the past. We don't deny, hey, it's been kind of hard. Oh, yeah, it's real hard. But we don't call it hard. Because if we call it hard, if we call it hard, that becomes bigger than anything the devil's doing. That's the stronghold. That's it. We've named it. We've given it an identity that's not in line with what he's saying. And yeah, I mean, it's... And so what we, what we call, and I mean, it's... And when it comes back to us, too, I mean, when God started talking to me about me and trying to shift my identity, trying to give revelation, because I grew up in a, a, a Christian culture that overemphasized false humility and overemphasized the fear of pride. And I grew up in that. And so it, it caused me just to, to not, you know, it caused me to want to 
Oh yeah, that good job, Steve. No, that wasn't. Oh yeah, that was. That was just Jesus. Oh, that was on Uh huh. Yeah, <clears throat> and caused me just to 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 fear becoming great. And, and pride, pride doesn't think you're great. Pride just thinks you're greater than other people. Pride just. We all need to think we're great. Why don't you say, I'm great? <laughs> Isaiah 60 says, arise and shine, for your light has come. I need you to arise and shine. Yeah. I need your greatness to arise and shine. I, I don't need you to hold back. I got, man, you have to arise and shine. I need you because you got things that I, you know, that I need for my life. I, I used to hold back out of you know, fear of pride. You know, I was talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm concerned, you know, if I'm starting to believe some pretty good things about me. (laughs) What if I become prideful? And he he said, Steve, don't worry. I've got got a lot of good ways to deal with your pride. (laughs) Anybody say amen to that? Oh, man, just... When I start thinking I'm better than other people, oh, man, I just start, I'll do something dumb. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll do a whole sermon with egg on my face or something. <laughs> yeah, just, I need, we need each other's greatness. And, and, and so, you know, just say thank you, Lord, as we, as we learn identity things. That I remember when I first started writing books, I told the Lord, man, this feels selfish. Boy, it feels selfish, self-promoting. He said, well, if you don't write books, it's selfish. If you don't get this gift, you don't, if you don't increase your talent, it's selfish. I used to unconsciously celebrate the one-talent guy. In Matthew 25, you got one was given five, one was given two, one was given one. And the one out of fear, uh, just fear and just a whole bunch of issues buried his talent. That's how I was. Wow, I'm going to bury him. Now if God wants something to happen in my life, he, he knows where I live. Uh, he'll make it happen. Yep, he'll, if it doesn't happen, it means he didn't want it to happen. Let's laugh at that. Ha, ha, ha. I'd be like me saying, well, you know, if God wants me to be saved, he'll save me. If I'm not saved, it means he doesn't want me saved. <laughs> How come we're smart enough to know it at that level, but we're not smart enough to know it at another level? No, I mean, we, 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 we're called to increase. We're called to there's greatness. Every one of you is great. Every one of you. There's nobody can say it like you. Nobody's got the experience you have. Nobody's got the unique gift mix you have. You can reach a certain kind of person that nobody else can reach. It's you. And, man, just, and, and maybe many of you are like me. We've got a whole bunch of religious traditions that are blocking our true identity. 
You know, it says in Hebrews uh, 10, 14, it's a power verse. It says, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Wow. I mean, that, that verse, he has perfected forever. That means the moment you receive Jesus, you're perfect. Just say, I'm perfect. I'm perfect. Say it again. Say it louder. That's, that was hard for me to say. <laughs> he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Sanctification is the process of getting into our experience who we already are. Sanctification is the process of getting into our experience who I already am. I'm perfect. I'm perfect in, in righteousness. I'm perfect in power. I'm perfect in decision making and wisdom. I'm perfect in doing relationships. Oh, man. I, woo! <laughs> so I'm not trying to make something happen. I'm not begging God, oh, please, God, make me. No, it's actually trying to just get it out of me. Got to get it out of me. It kind of gives a different twist on the verse in Philippians 2 where it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Hmm. Somebody's going, hmm, 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 hmm. <laughs> yeah, just, just, who are we? Man, that's the great, that's the great discovery. I mean, you just, whether it's reading in Romans, I mean, Romans 6.11 says, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. Wow, I'm dead to sin. Huh. Man, I've already died to sin. Just say, I've died to sin. And it says, but it says, consider that. You have to actually, you have to actually believe it, think it. And the nature of faith is, is that we believe and then see. So the nature of our life is actually to believe. This is why the hearing of faith is so powerful. When we start hearing who we really are, our faith begins to match that. That's why. That's why empowering teachers and preachers tell people who they are much more than they tell them what to do. <laughs> I know a lot of people have been trying to hold it back for a while. I mean, yeah, just trying to, out of respect. For the speaker, <laughs> just trying to 
hold it back. Just much, I just give you permission. Just let it rip. Just, yeah. <laughs> Whew. <laughs> now it's spreading over here. <laughs> oh my. Let me talk to this side over here. This side, you're decent and in order. All right, where was I? What did I say? Anybody remember my last point? I know it was really good. I mean, it was, I felt it anointed when I said it. I don't know. <laughs> Let me think. Right. Yeah, work. I think that was about five minutes ago. Working out myself, Jim. You slipped off five minutes ago. I mean, you're you're, you're no help. <laughs> Is there anybody more current? <laughs> oh wow, yeah, that's I did this. Yeah, Jim, Jim, you need to hear this, by the way, because you, you're obviously checked out before I said this. Okay, okay. Focus. You guys able to focus? Yeah. Right, here we go. Okay, here we go. Empowering teachers and preachers tell people much more who they are than they tell them what to do. Someone say amen to that. Amen. I'm talking about behavioral issues. I mean, you got like Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. You got, I mean, Watchman Nee wrote a book called Sit, Walk, Stand. You know, it's about the first three chapters is sit. It's about, hey, understand who you are. Understand your identity. Understand what God's done in you. And you get that, and then you, verse, verse, chapters 4 and 5, <laughs> chapters 4 and 5 are about walking it out. And tell all, all kinds of behavioral issues. It, you know, don't, don't lie, you know, <laughs> steal, <laughs> all that. And even a chapter, you know, <laughs> chapter 6, obey your parents, you know, all these things. And then it's stand, put on the armor of God. And so it's the pattern. If we try to get to behaviors before we get to identity, it gets messed up. And that's what, that's what the law is. You know, if we're law-based, if we're just focusing on teaching people what to do rather than telling them who they are, we're probably more of a law-based uh, teacher than we are an empowering identity-based teacher. And that's just not a good idea because the more you teach law, I mean, you know, it just increases sin. The more you talk about law, the more you're just focusing on behavior, it actually causes people to sin more. <laughs> and that's just a bummer. It's a bummer. I'm not saying we don't talk about those things, but it has to be in a foundation of identity. Yep, amen. Yeah, amen.
<laughs> I'll tell you. It's a little challenging to concentrate up here, which is Holy Spirit stuff and then you guys. Whew. But it's okay. I, I've preached through far worse or far better, however you want to say, however you want to look at it. Whew. All right, so we're talking about identity. <laughs> because we can't consistently do what we don't believe we are. We cannot consistently do what we don't believe we are. If I'm trying to act righteous, but I believe I'm a sinner... I'll be sinning by faith. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, he, Jesus became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of Christ. I want you to say this, uh, in Jesus I am righteous. And the more I believe I'm righteous is the more righteous my behavior will be. Let, let's just laugh at this lie. You should not believe you are righteous until righteousness is manifesting consistently through you. <laughs> There's a phrase in Joel 3.10 that's a fun one. What's it say? Let the weak say I am weak. Is that what your version says in Ohio? What's it say? Let the weak say what? Oh, wow. Wow. Let the weak say, I'm sorry. Really, that's a phrase that reinforces Romans 4.17, God who gives life to the dead by calling those things that are not as though they are, calling myself what I'm not experiencing. He doesn't say, let the weak say I'm not weak. It's not about denial. Faith is not denial. Joshua and Caleb, when they go into the promised land, Numbers 13, they didn't deny there were giants. Joshua didn't say to Caleb, hey, do you see any giants? No, no giants. Uh-uh. We're people of faith. We don't acknowledge problems. No, they said they're giants, but they just said they're our bread. We're bigger than the giants. We don't, we don't deny the facts of a situation. We just believe in truths higher than the facts. So if you're battling weakness, get prayer, go to the doctor, take medication if you need to, but don't call yourself weak. Because if you call yourself weak, that's the problem. That's the identity issue. That's the stronghold. And that's a principle that can apply beyond, way beyond just weakness. Like, why don't you fill in 
I'll start a phrase and you finish it. Let the poor say. Let's do it louder. Let the poor say. Let the disorganized say. <laughs> Somebody just got breakthrough. <laughs> Let the one who's in a city that's hard for the gospel say. Yep, this city's easy. It's easy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Let the one who doesn't do relationships well say. I am a person who does relationships well. That's, you know, I'm, I'm a strong person having a weak experience. I'm a disorganized person. I mean, <laughs> you guys are... <laughs> Need to take another drink. <laughs> I'm an organized person having a disorganized experience. That's who I am. I'm a great husband having a non-great husband experience. <laughs> but I am a great husband. That doesn't mean I'm not doing other things. I mean, I'm going to do... I mean, obviously... Getting our identity right is not the only thing we do, but it's a beginning point. If I want to be a better husband, I'm going to believe I'm a, I'm a great husband, but I'm, I'm also I'm studying books, I'm getting accountable to people, I'm doing all kinds of other things to make it happen, to work out, to sanctify, to get that perfection out of me. I used to believe that I didn't have encounters with God. You know, I'd be in meetings and you know, people would just be getting zapped. And, you know, people all around me, you know, falling out, laughing, shaking, running around the building. And they'd pray for me, nothing would happen. It's like the rock of Gibraltar. It's like a rock. I'm waiting, nothing. I must have been discouraging for people praying for me. <laughs> And while I was standing there, I'd be in prayer lines, they'd pray for me, and I'd just be standing there, nothing happening, and the devil would encourage me with these words. <laughs> he would say, there's something wrong with you. I'd be standing there renewing my mind with those words. Oh, yes, amen. That feels so true. That's, that's, that's got to be true. Uh-huh. Then the Lord says, Steve, you want help with that? Mm, yeah. He said, first of all, of course there's something wrong with you. There's some, something wrong with everybody. That's why I sent Jesus. Get over it. You just turn to your neighbor and say, just get over it. Get over it. (laughs) 
The second thing he told me is, is you don't receive by feeling, you receive by faith. You don't receive by feeling, you receive by faith. What's feelings got to do with it? And, and, and I, I mean, I love feeling good. If you want to feel something, you usually got to believe something first. So I'm, he said, Here, here's the identity that I want you to believe you are, Steve. I want you to believe you are an encounter magnet. You're an encounter magnet having a non-encounter experience. Steve, I want you to believe this, that if there's one drop of the Holy Spirit that falls in the room, it falls on you. One, if there's only one drop, that you, because you're such a magnet for the Holy Spirit, it just automatically comes on you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, remember, and you know, there's many, because our experience is going to catch up with our identity. Then the gap, the gap time is called faith. I'm an encounter magnet having a non-encounter experience. But I'm a person of encounters. I have trances. I see angels. I do carpet time in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> keep saying it, you know, and just keep believing it and not coming into agreement that I'm not having the experience and breaking off the lie, keep believing it, and then boom, my experience catches up to my identity. And it happened. I remember, wow, I'm preaching. Oh, I'm glad I got a pulpit here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I may need a designated driver after this meeting. Oh, no. Yeah. What's that about? That's just about your experience catching up to your identity. <laughs> the devil's a liar. I mean, he, well, he's the accuser of the brethren. He just wants to accuse us. And constantly, you can't do it. Won't work for you. Something uniquely wrong with you. You're broken. Yeah. You, yeah, it's, it's, it, you just, because your past is the greatest indicator of your future. Yeah, just keep looking back. <laughs> keep looking back there. That's going to be your indicator of what your future is. 
Yeah, a car, it has a, a rearview mirror and a windshield. Which one's bigger? Hmm. Somebody's going, hmm. Mm-hmm. We glance back, but we keep looking forward. Yep. I, we don't, I don't deny the past. I don't deny the past in other people, you know. I mean, I'm not... I'm not going to be ignorant if someone's got a track record that, you know, is, that may not be healthy. I'm not going to just automatically just ignore that. But I don't want to get my beliefs based on the past. And that is, you know, that is the argument. That's the argument of past experience that the devil constantly wants to use. And again, we get all kinds of other help. There's great other ministries, counseling, whatever, uh, to help us get breakthrough. But I'm here to tell you tonight, I believe this, the greatest thing that's going to get breakthrough is to get our identity right. We have to start there. We start there. Parents, we tell our kids who they are. This is who you are. Yeah, you get, you, you, husbands and wives, tell, tell your spouse who they are. The people closest in our relationships, man, that's all. Oh, it's more challenging. And then tell ourselves, I mean... Telling me who I am is challenging because I know me really well. I hang out with me a lot. And there's some things I don't like about me. Let's laugh at that. Ha ha. Same with you. Join the club. What have you heard tonight? Someone, you know, just what's, what's something that stood out? Just raise your hand. I'll love to hear. I know you've heard a lot of laughter. <laughs> You're an organized person having a disorganized experience. Wow. That's freeing. Yep. Concerning behavioral issues and preaching and teaching, we're more identity-focused than behavior-focused. What's that? Yep, our current battle's not just about us. It's the people we're going to bring breakthrough. Yep, cheerfulness is the evidence that we've attached faith to the decisions we've made. Yeah, pride doesn't think you're great. Doesn't mean you think you're pride means you think you're greater than other people. Every one of us is great. Can you say that again? You <laughs> know, <laughs> I might have said that because there's you know, a spiritually inebriation moment there. I mean, I'm, trying, uh, I'm trying to remember everything I said. <laughs> you know, if you... Okay. I think I got it. Oh, what would Jesus think? Okay, there we go. Thanks, team. Yeah, the...
Yeah, you can't consistently do what you don't believe you are. If you, try, if you don't think you're a great leader and you're trying to act like a great leader, you're, you're in disunity with yourself. I remember, you know, praying for unity. I said, God, bring unity to the body of Christ so we can have revival. And he says, Steve, if I could just get you into unity, we'd have revival. Because you're constantly trying to do things you don't believe you are. Trying to wait for proof. Yeah. The more we talk about, if we just specifically, all exclusively talk about behavior, it'll lead to sin. And, and, and that's why, I mean, that's, you know, Jesus delivered us from the law. And the law, is, the purpose of the law is to come be an inside-out job of, of that obedience. Yeah, sanctification is the process of getting into my experience who I already am. That's why the renewing of the mind, be transformed by the renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind is the key to sanctification. If you do not increase your talent, it's selfish. That'll blow up some things in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't deny the facts. I just believe in truths higher than the facts. I don't deny, you know, you know, pain in my body or difficulties in my life or whatever. I just, uh, I, I, I want to focus on truths higher than that. Yeah, we call something and give it a name, we give it an identity. That's why what we call things, what we call ourselves, what we call other people, what we call our city, uh, what we call our family members is so crucial. Yeah, empowering preachers and teachers tell their people more who they are then they tell them what to do. <laughs> Laughing disempowers strongholds in our thinking. Let's just laugh at that. <laughs> ha ha. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the, the, the blessing that Jacob received was a revelation of who he was, that he wasn't deceiver his experience. He was who God said he was. Prince, yeah. If we try to prevent a Judas, we'll also prevent 11 world changers. Wow. Yep, you don't receive by feeling, you receive by faith. That, that's a fun one. Yeah, just practice that sometime. I receive, yes. You can even steal the phrase, if one drop of the Holy Spirit falls in the room, it falls on me. 
We need to hear God so he can guide us into our identity. Yep, the spirit of revelation. Peter had revelation on knowing who Jesus was. We want the same revelation in knowing who we are. If you have your name, if we know who we are, we'll have everything else. We won't have to worry about getting a new camel. <laughs> Camels are coming. <laughs> um, to get breakthrough, we need our identity. That may have been a, another one of those moments. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, let's see, you know. <laughs> Well, we do need our identity anchored in him. Yeah, amen. <laughs> amen. We need our identity anchored in him. <laughs> I like that anchored thing. Yeah, don't only release truth, release encounters. It's what we're called to do. Jesus, I mean, he not only brought teaching, he brought healing, he brought breakthrough, he brought power. <laughs> My hopelessness about a problem is really worse than the problem. I like that. All right, let me close with this, and then um, I'm have my team come on up if they're able. <laughs> have some worries about that. <laughs> Abram gets a promise. He counts stars, counts sand. Your descendants are going to be that. He tried to help God out with Ishmael. God says, that's not it. 20, 20 years or so after he got the promise, still it hadn't happened. Genesis 17, he has an encounter with God. And God says, your name will no longer be Abram. It'll be Abraham. I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change what you call yourself. And what other people call you. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of a multitude. I want you to actually get your identity out of your prophetic word. So if someone comes up and says, hey, what's your name? Ah, my name's father of a multitude. I am father of a multitude. Well, where's your multitude? It's coming. It's coming. And in the same chapter, God told Abra, God told Abraham, I no longer want you to call your wife Sarai, call her Sarah. I want you to change what you call the people closest to you. Sarah, Sarai means princess. And one of the translations I read about Sarah means princess of many. 
Wow. I want you to get, I want you to, and you know, when, when Sarah heard that, she fell down and laughed. She was outside the tent. Ha ha. And she fell down and laughed. And she said, that was ridiculous. A woman as old as me? By the way, I, I believe this. If we're not calling ourselves something that sounds ridiculous, we're not calling ourselves something high enough. Let me say that again. If we're not calling ourselves, and I'm not talking to tell other people. I'm just saying tell yourself. If we're not calling ourselves something ridiculous, then we're not calling ourselves something high enough. And what was amazing that uh, one year after Abram, his name was changed to Abraham, Isaac was born. Someone just go, hmm, 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 hmm. Maybe the key to breakthrough is what we call ourselves and call ourselves by the prophetic word over our lives. And you know what uh, Isaac's name means? Laughter. Can you imagine? Hey, laughter, come on in. <laughs> laughter, it's time for dinner. Because they were reminded for the rest of their life about what God did and how ridiculous it was for that to happen. And it was a miracle. And so thank you, Lord, just for laughable identities over us. Laughable. <laughs> you guys receive this? Say, I receive it. I'll never be the same again. Something happened in me tonight. I'm getting a revelation of my true identity. I'm not who my past says I am. I am who God says I am. And it's changing everything. Amen. Just give God thanks and praise and hallelujah. Woo-hoo. Ha-ha. Wow. You guys are fun to minister to. Ha-ha. <laughs> really fun.